The information you want, the information you need on your Tri-Cities Morning News. Good hump day Wednesday, October 27th to you. Here on the Kona News Podcast, a shortened version of the Tri-Cities Morning News that you hear on News Radio 610 KONA Monday through Friday. I'm Derek Maselli. He's Glenn Vaughan. Let's start with some of our top local stories here in the Pacific Northwest. It would have all the bells and whistles and be a uh, supposed tourist draw for the Tri-Cities. Pasco City Council discussing whether a 60,000-square-foot water park is a good idea or all wet on Monday. The project's great. But I think phase two is very critical to the success of it. Councilmember Pete Serrano there. Phase two would include a complete uh, competition pool that would draw teams and tournaments to the region. City Council is looking at putting a measure before voters to approve bonding for the project as early as Feb- uh, as early as the February 2022 election. Would it be the bells and whistles or the buoys and whistles? I think either would work. Either would work. Yeah, that's probably fair. In other news, the Amtrak passenger train that derailed in central Montana last month operating at a safe speed and its emergency braking system was in good working order. According to investigators with the National Transportation Safety Board, the Empire Builder was traveling between Chicago and Spokane when it derailed near Joplin, killing three people and injuring dozens more. The preliminary crash report says the train was traveling between 75 and 78 miles per hour, which was actually a little below the rated speed for that section of the track. Investigators also determined that the automated stopping system was functional and whether not a major factor, they'll now shift focus to other possible causes like track maintenance, engineering, and integrity of the passenger rail cars themselves. Packing up from Olympia to our nation's capital, Washington Secretary of State Kim Wyman, a Republican, accepting a job with the Biden administration where she'll essentially lead federal efforts to protect future elections from interference. In the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election, she pushed back strongly on false claims by former President Trump that he had won. I have not seen evidence of voter fraud in the state, and I have not seen evidence of voter suppression in the state. Those comments made after last year's general election, her last day on the job here in the Evergreen State, November 19th. Meanwhile, looking uh, at uh, some local political happenings, they're calling it a racist ad at the, at the municipal level over in Seattle. Mayoral candidate M. Lorena Gonzalez has halted a TV ad that supporters of her challenger, Bruce Harrell, claim was racist. At a news conference over the weekend, Harrell's backers blasted the new ad, which accuses Harrell of siding with former mayor Ed Murray after five men accused Murray of raping and molesting them when they were teenagers. Harrell did defend Murray amid the accusations in 2017, saying the mayor was still doing his job and he shouldn't be judged for something that happened decades ago. Harold's supporters claim Gonzalez's ad reinforced racist stereotypes of black men being sexually violent. Gonzalez responded by saying she believes Harold has a troubling record in responding to allegations of sexual abuse and harassment, but she added that uh, her ad's use of a white rape survivor was somewhat problematic. Roughly one and a half pounds of suspected meth, half a pound of heroin, and 33 grams of cocaine 
off the streets after a drug bust in Ephrata. This investigation included the Columbia River Drug Task Force, which is out of the Wenatchee area, and also the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. So federal partners were involved in this investigation as That's well. That's Kyle Foreman with the Grand County Sheriff's Office. The suspect, 41-year-old Samuel Motea Mesa, was arrested and booked into jail now facing a long list of drug charges. How about doing business in space? Jeff Bezos's space company Blue Origin releasing plans for a private space station called Orbital Reef. It would be built in partnership with some other private space companies. The station described as being habitable for up to 10 people and would also be able to host space tourists. Orbital Reef expected to be deployed between 2025 and 2030. She says it's not a matter of demand versus supply. One Washington senator says low-income housing tax credits need to be not only included but expanded as the part of any reconciliation deal. We have 7 million units that we need to be built and over 10 million people who live in uh, rent-burdened conditions. 50% of their income is spent on rent. That was Maria Cantwell at a Senate hearing in D.C. yesterday. Professional basketball player Ennis Cantor publicly criticizing the Beaverton, Oregon-based Nike shoe giant over what he calls social justice hypocrisy. In an Instagram post, Cantor said Nike remains vocal about social injustice here in America, but when it comes to China, Nike remains silent. He's calling on Nike co-founder Phil Knight to visit labor camps in China, of course, um, the criticism of Nike with that uh, China connection in that some of those products made in the country. You don't want to miss this conversation. Coming up next, senators, well, at least a few of them, including Senator Ron Wyden, the Democrat from Oregon, introducing a couple new ways to try and pay for President Biden's social spending plan. It'll be a billionaire tax and a new corporate minimum tax. We'll talk with ABC News correspondent Elizabeth Schulze about that when we return. You're listening to the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of the Tri-Cities Morning News here on News Radio 610 KONA. This is the Kona News Podcast brought to you by News Radio 610 KONA, Monday through Friday mornings here in the Tri Cities of Washington. Derek Maselli and Glenn Vaughan in the studio, and let's introduce ABC News correspondent Elizabeth Schulze onto the program. Elizabeth, uh, the big hurdle for Democrats beside the infighting of uh, what to include and what not to include in, in an infrastructure proposal is how to pay for President Biden's Build Back Better. But it sounds like a couple of senators, including one Pacific Northwest senator, they've got a unique idea to fund that effort. Hey, good morning. That is exactly right. There's some kind of novel ways coming out here to try to pay for this uh, roughly now looking like $2 trillion social spending bill. And the latest proposal came out this morning from Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon. And basically, this is an idea to tax billionaires. It's it's a new way to put a tax on the unrealized income of Americans. And this is a really specific group of people. If you earn $100 million or more for three consecutive years, or if you have more than $1 billion in assets. So this tax would apply to about 700 taxpayers, according to this committee and to the senator. But the idea is that basically these people at these wealthiest Americans shouldn't just be taxed when they sell their assets, like stocks or bonds. They should be taxed 
based on what the value of those games are over time, even if they don't sell them. And that would be a pretty big change in how these, you know, really wealthiest Americans are taxed. The committee says it would help raise hundreds of billions of dollars. And as you actually point out, this is part of an effort to try to find a way for this bigger spending bill, as a lot of the other proposals have met uh, opposition from moderate Democrats uh, in the Senate. Well, let's follow up on that. What is the likelihood in your assessment here about this actually gaining track even among the Dems, let alone Republicans uh, on the other end of the aisle when, of course, you talk about uh, any type of tax increase? Absolutely. Well, we've already heard opposition from Republicans. We we know that Republicans are not planning to vote for this spending bill in the first place, and this is something that they have opposed overall. As far as the moderate senators, the two that we've been watching pretty much nonstop here on the Hill are Senators Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. They haven't weighed in on the billionaires tax yet. They did actually weigh in on this other tax that would uh, slightly increase the, the rate that some corporations pay. There seems to be support for that. We are hearing from the committee that this billionaire tax could get the support from those moderate senators. You know, obviously, they've kind of come out against a broad-based, you know, overall tax increase, whether it's for corporations or for the wealthiest Americans. But the idea from this committee and from Senator Wyden is that this is so targeted, this is so specific, that it can win the support of those moderates. Certainly, progressive Democrats are on board with this. In fact, Elizabeth Warren has been pushing for a plan like this for a while. She says we could go even further at this point. But look, they're trying to find a way for this proposal, and the time is running out for them to reach this agreement that they've been really, you know, trying to get to for for months at this point. And this is a pretty drastic, you know, this is a new proposal that they think could try to get them there. Elizabeth, uh, you were mentioning that the Republicans have already come out in opposition to this idea. Have they given any specific reasons um, that they don't like this proposal, other than that's just kind of the GOP's mainstay during the Biden administration? Yeah, look, we're going to be watching closely for Senator McConnell's reaction today, and generally that will kind of set the tone here. But this is a this is a trickier line to walk in that the Republican leadership hasn't, you know, been extremely firm on this kind of taxing the top 0.001 percent idea. They understand that there is public support for this idea that some of the wealthiest individuals who often don't pay income taxes at all because of some of the loopholes that are in place. You know, Republicans in the leadership, they understand that there is there is an understanding that that might not be fair. So on this kind of specific billionaire tax, they're going to try to walk the line and saying we oppose tax increases overall, which has been the line that they've towed all throughout these negotiations, but perhaps a little bit less kind of opposition starkly on this specific idea. On the corporate tax increase, uh, you know, certainly across the board opposition, they are really standing firm and, and not wanting that kind of signature legislation that the Republican leadership passed a couple of years ago to be undone. And that's something that they are saying is is, is totally unacceptable for them, that that would hurt business, that would hurt small businesses, too. Elizabeth, do we have any word on what the public input is, at least what uh, surveys might be showing in terms of this corporate minimum tax? We've talked a bit about public support for the individual when you talk about that very small percentage of extremely wealthy individuals. What about uh, on the corporate perspective here? Are polls showing any sort of favor lenience one way or the other in terms of what the public thinks on the corporate type minimum tax? Yeah, this is a great point because there is generally broad support that corporations shouldn't pay zero taxes, right? You know, we've gotten a lot of uh, publicity here in, in Washington, for example, with Amazon essentially paying no federal income taxes because some of the the loopholes, some of the breaks that they get at the state level or from, from other kind of overall breaks. And so there, this idea of a 15% minimum tax 
isn't as controversial in that really what this would do is say that companies, and this again is really targeting a, a specific group of companies, $1 billion in profits, and this is the profits that they actually report to their shareholders. So instead of the, the profits that they report to the IRS, which can be kind of manipulated at times through, through various loopholes, this would be, say a company says, we have a billion dollars and our profits, and they report that on their earnings call, this corporate minimum tax would try to impose a 15% minimum tax rate on that company. And, and generally, that isn't seen as a wildly controversial idea. In fact, this is something that 130 countries have gotten behind you know, in, in trying to get this global minimum tax because there's this push to try to say we shouldn't be having this race to the bottom on corporate tax rates. There should be a, a kind of a minimum bar that companies need to pay and, and that's one of the reasons why there seems to be agreement. And I will say Senator Sinema specifically did come out in favor of this corporate minimum tax. And that's a pretty big win for Democrats as they're trying to get, you know, if they can get her on board, that seems like a positive sign in getting the overall support to get this passed. Elizabeth, final question, then we'll let you go for the morning. You were talking about the billionaire tax more targeted towards those individuals. Uh, have we heard from anybody, any of those billionaires? I mean, I, I lost all their phone numbers after the New Year, so <laughs> I can't get a hold of them. But have we heard of any? And I think specifically about Elon Musk because he pulled up stakes in California because he felt the Golden State was just trying to tax him and his business into oblivion. Yes, we have heard from Elon Musk. He is not one to shy away from his opinions, as you as you well know. And he is he has come out in opposition to this to this billionaire tax. He he basically said. You know, Congress starts coming after your your money once they run out of other people to go for. And so he is he is obviously not in favor of this idea. And, and we've heard opposition from the likes of Jeff, Jeff Bezos, too. I mean, this could result in in billion dollar tax bills for some of these billionaires. But the, the point that some of these Democratic senators are making is that it's about time that they haven't been paying their fair share. And obviously, this is this is a debate that is not going to go away. I will say it's likely to face some constitutional challenges because of how this really changes the overall tax structure. And undoubtedly, some of these billionaires who would be subject to this tax will find a way to challenge this in court to try to avoid some of those billion-dollar tax bills that they'd certainly be willing to pay million-dollar legal fees if they can if they can avoid it in any way. ABC's Elizabeth Schulze, thank you for joining us this morning on the Tri-Cities Morning News. Abridged version of the Tri Cities Morning News heard weekday mornings on News Radio 610 KONA, Kennewick, Richland, Pasco. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vogg. And it seems like with regularity, we talk about people surviving shark attacks. Not as often we talk about alligator and crocodile attacks. But ABC Sherry Preston has one such story. Charlie Bull is 12 years old, was playing hide-and-seek with his brother at a lagoon on their resort in Cancun, Mexico, and suddenly he felt a stabbing pain along his calf. I could feel like it almost pushing on the inside of my leg. Turned out to be a crocodile that had leaped out of the water and latched onto his leg. Employees at the resort rushed in. And they were picking the crocodile's eyes and putting a blue pillow on its head. And then finally let go. Doctors thought Charlie might lose his leg. After a lot of stitches, he's walking and running again. The resort paying all the medical bills. Sherry Preston, ABC News. As investigators in New Mexico try to figure out how a real bullet made its way into a prop gun on the set of the Alec Baldwin movie last week, the DA there tells the New York Times that criminal charges are possible 
We're expecting to find out more at a news conference a little later today. ABC's Andrew Dimebert has what we know so far. Authorities say the investigation is focusing on ballistics evidence. The DA says there were an enormous amount of bullets on this set. And a search warrant reveals authorities collected ammunition and firearms, but it's unclear if they were blanks or bullets. Investigators are also looking into who handled the gun before it was given to Baldwin. According to a police report, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the person in charge of weapons on the set, prepared the gun. Then, assistant director Dave Halls handed it to Baldwin. Again, ABC's Andrew Dimebert with the details. Well, new concerns this morning for the health of Queen Elizabeth, the 95-year-old monarch canceling a trip to next week's Global Climate Crisis Summit in Scotland one week after spending the night in the hospital. Ian, pa- Ian Pennell has more from Windsor Castle. This morning, Buckingham Palace is remaining tight-lipped on precisely why she went to the hospital last week, what if any procedures she had, or what if any illness she may have been treated for, saying it was a private matter. ABC News has been told just simply that it's not COVID-related. Once again, that was ABC's Ian Pennell. A new assessment out from U.S. defense officials suggests that terrorist networks in and around Afghanistan could be ready to launch more extensive terror attacks in just a matter of months. According to the Pentagon, ISIS in Afghanistan, or ISIS-K, could be adept by the spring, and al-Qaeda could be ready in at least two years or so to launch attacks on the West. ABC News Chief Global Affairs correspondent Martha Raddatz says the U.S. has counterterror networks in the region, but those are more than a thousand miles away. The U.S. has facilities in the Persian Gulf and Qatar and Bahrain to monitor and go after terror groups, but that is more than 1,500 miles away, and as yet the U.S. has not been able to secure basing rights any closer to Afghanistan, and without a U.S. presence on the ground, intelligence simply isn't as good. Department of Transportation officials warning of an uptick in traffic accidents involving wildlife this time of year. The Washington State Department of Transportation says collisions involving elk and deer increased between October and November. Experts suggest limiting distractions while you're behind the wheel and being extra vigilant when driving at dusk or at dawn when animals are typically most active. A federal judge in Spokane denying a lawsuit filed by local firefighters, state troopers, and state employees to stop Washington's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. The group sued Governor Jay Inslee, the city of Spokane, and Washington State Patrol, saying their civil rights had been violated. In his decision, Judge Thomas Rice wrote, The Supreme Court has long endorsed state and local governments to impose compulsory vaccines. Talk of extending Washington's vaccine mandate to the private sector has a number of state lawmakers sounding off. One is 9th District uh, Representative Mark Schessler, uh, and he says new Department of Labor and Industries are potentially far-reaching, although many have not heard about it. Cole and I created these rules behind closed doors, in the dark, without any of the employer advocates even knowing it was coming. Ritzville State Republican Mark Chesler there. Earlier this month, Inslee called the mandate an unqualified success. Over 1,600 new COVID-19 cases reported in Washington State yesterday. Health officials also noted 121 hospitalizations and 31 more deaths, bringing the cumulative total now to 8,511. Attempting to lead by example, Oregon Governor Kate Brown received her COVID-19 booster and flu shot 
at uh, Salem's Health, uh, Salem Health's Edgewater Clinic yesterday. Brown originally got the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine, and the FDA now allows mixing of booster shots, so she got the Moderna vaccine. She's urging Oregonians who are eligible for boosters to get them. Kids 5 through 11 may soon be rolling up their sleeves for a lower dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. This after an FDA endorsement panel signed off for children in our area. What this will mean locally is that um, kids down to age 5 will now have the opportunity to be protected against COVID-19. Benton Franklin Health District Health Officer Amy Person talking with our partners over at Keeper Action News. Safety first. Then the candy this Halloween. That's the message from Richland Police. Do they have a flashlight or a blinking LED that will make them more visible? Costumes that can be too long or baggy may cause a child to trip or get caught in things. And then lastly, how does the costume affect the child's ability to see? RPD Sergeant Sean Swanson says motorists should drive with extra caution Sunday night as kiddos are out and about trick-or-treating. Money on the way to help two regional airports reach... Higher heights. Both the Yakima Air Terminal and Walla Walla Regional Airport will share in $2.6 million worth of American Rescue Plan federal grants. Washington U.S. Senator Patty Murray says Yakima is going to get $1.3 million, while Walla will see $1.2. It's all a part of $8 billion being given out to airports all over the U.S. to keep workers at the facilities employed while the air travel industry recovers from the pandemic. Greg Neft, News Radio 610 KONA. There's been another installment of the Kona News podcast, an abridged version of what you hear weekday mornings on the Tri-Cities Morning News. Make sure you listen in regularly for all this, plus the extra content that you don't hear in the podcast, such as BT Trivia, additional news stories and interviews. Derek Maselli saying thanks for listening.